The Lord permitting over these next two weeks, I would like for us to take a short detour from our usual study in the book of Luke and instead give our hearts to knowing more about all that took place during this special time in the life of the Lord Jesus, his suffering, his death, and his blessed resurrection. And I'd like to encourage us as a church to dedicate our thoughts this week to the real reason for our celebration of this season. Yes, family gatherings, food, and that sort of fellowship. Also even perhaps Easter eggs. But much more than all of that, folks, much more than all of that, the sacrifice that Jesus made in his sufferings to give each of us, to give you and me eternal life. And I'd like to stress something, that it's not just church history. All that we'll talk about here today, it is very personal. This is very personal to me, and I'd love for it to be very personal to you. It's not just church history. This is intimately personal. As we know throughout most of church history, this week that lies in front of us and leading up to Easter Sunday has been known as Passion Week, the days of remembrance of the days of the sufferings that the Lord Jesus endured as he suffered and died there on the cross, providing the salvation that we need for our souls. Beginning with this day, known as Palm Sunday, the scriptures tell us all about all those many events that led up to that moment there on the cross where our blessed Savior paid that ultimate price so that you and I might be saved, so that you and I might have eternal life. This day is known as Palm Sunday because this is the day that the Lord Jesus made his triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem, riding on the donkey with adoring people, placing those palm branches on the ground before him. And in those scriptures, we're able to see all the adulation and praise that was shown to the Lord Jesus by the people during those days. But then we're also able to witness how in only a few days from Palm Sunday, that adulation turned to scorn and to contempt with the people calling out for his crucifixion. Such a clear example of the fickleness of the human heart. And it was within the moments of those last few days of Jesus' life that the weakness in the souls and the spirits of the disciples was revealed to them. These are men who had once declared that they would do anything for Jesus. And they really believed it. They declared that they would do anything for the Lord Jesus. They would suffer any cost for Him. But they fell away from Him in fear and in trembling all of which then led up to those final moments as the Lord Jesus suffered first the awful beatings by the Roman soldiers and then that would lead up to the death of the Lord Jesus there on the cross. The prophet Isaiah and also the psalmist King David both spoke so clearly about that day of suffering. Listen to these words. This is the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 53, and he spoke these words over 700 years before Jesus actually 
suffered these sufferings. Listen to these words. Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took our infirmities and and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And then these words of King David in Psalm 22, written even many hundreds of years before Isaiah wrote his words. These words describing Jesus' suffering as he hung there on that cross. He said, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and they gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And they cast lots for my clothing. Too often, too often, as I read through words of Scripture like these, the real impact of their truth escapes my understanding. But then at another reading, my eyes will suddenly be opened and my ears receptive. And then those same words will have a special, even profound impact on me. When that moment comes, I just want to weep and weep. Sometimes weep so much that I don't even know why I'm weeping anymore. I just know that it all means something very special. Something over in that other realm. Over there where God is. In those moments, while I have my ears to hear and eyes to see, then a depth of God and His great suffering for our redemption is revealed in a way that I had never understood before. That moment was one that was forced upon me violently some years back when I went to see the movie The Passion of the Christ. Folks, that movie has had such a profound and lasting impact on my soul and my spirit that if I let my mind ponder its scenes for very long, I'll begin to weep all over again. And yes, the man responsible for the production of that movie, Mel Gibson, has since suffered so many personal difficulties, sinful behaviors that have discredited him personally. But folks, though he has been discredited personally, the movie itself, the movie itself still stands as one of the best presentations of the sufferings of Christ that's ever been produced by human hand. I personally believe that that movie was a special gift from God to people like me. To people like me. I can recall as I watched that movie that I sat helpless and stunned as I watched 
Jesus being wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, chastised for my peace, ripped to shreds so that I might be healed. Folks, I've seen many portrayals of the sufferings and the death of Christ, but this one was different. His agony as he hung there and died on that cross, enduring sufferings beyond my comprehension, quietly enduring the punishment that went far beyond physical pain, sufferings that reached beyond this earthly realm, out into the heavens, sufferings that transcended all of time and, and eternity, paying debts for all our sins, a penalty that you and I would have had to spend an eternity to pay. Somehow in those awful hours there on the cross, Jesus entered into that timeless eternity that only God knows about. And he paid that full and complete penalty for all of our sins. And no, I don't understand any of it. But by faith, I know that it is all true. And praise be to God for his blessed gift. And his sufferings all began as the prophet Isaiah told us it would. There at that beating stake where the Roman soldiers gave the Lord Jesus a beating that was so savage, was so relentless and unending that any other person would surely have died right there at that beating stake. It took place just as Isaiah had said it would. I confess that for many years... I pondered God's reasoning for the beating that the Roman soldiers gave to the Lord Jesus. That if ultimately it was Christ's death on the cross that saves us from our sins, why then was he subjected to that awful beating? Some people have suggested, and I've heard preachers preach this, that it was simply to reveal man's inhumanity to man. But folks, this was God's hand. This was God's hand. Those awful men simply carried out God's plan. Thankfully, as I've studied and wept over these scriptures for so many years, I think that I'm at least beginning to understand why that beating was so important. It was exactly as we read there in Isaiah 53. It was by those stripes, His stripes, that our once corrupt soul and spirit is being healed as we live out the days of our lives. Watching that movie, The Passion of the Christ, the movie critics later said that it was too violent, that it had gone beyond reasonable boundaries for shock and effect. And maybe that was in the producers' minds as they directed those scenes. But folks, according to the words of Isaiah, the beating that Jesus endured was probably far more violent than the movie could have ever portrayed. Whatever the reasons, I personally believe that it was one of those God-appointed moments in time that was set aside for me, set aside for me, and perhaps set aside for the person sitting next to me there in the theater, and perhaps any of the other people in that theater that night that might have opened their hearts and their minds to hear, to truly hear, And to truly see what Jesus had endured. And in seeing it, might have surrendered their hearts to be saved. 
I recall that Mel Gibson said at that time that God had somehow commissioned him to say to the world, stop, stop and see what my son has done for you. Stop and see the suffering that I had to go through watching my dearly beloved son being ripped apart by savage animals that call themselves men. Savage animals that I love so much that I'm willing to go to any extent to redeem them. Folks, Mel Gibson, the man, did not think those thoughts himself. I have no doubt that God put those words in his mouth. And I do pray that Mel Gibson has heeded or maybe will at some point heed his own words and turn and be saved. All through that movie, I recall that I was captivated by the face of Jesus' dear mother, Mary. Her grief and her suffering were so evident as the miseries of Jesus' suffering built and intensified. And especially as Jesus was beaten so savagely by the Roman soldiers there in that courtyard. And then as he walked and stumbled down the path of the Via Della Rosa, the grief in the face and in the heart of Jesus' dear mother was so evident. It was as if she knew that it all had to take place just as it did. Not one stripe less could have been laid upon the back of the Lord Jesus. It all had to be done as it was. I recall that as I watched her face, I could see the very face of God the Father weeping, grieving, crying out for His dear Son, asking when will there be enough? How many stripes will it take to remove the stain of sin from the souls of His dear children? It seemed to me in those intense moments that God the Father was locked within the prison of His own holiness. Those men were slowly, stripe by stripe, removing the flesh from the back of His dear Son. But the reality was, every ounce of that punishment being inflicted upon the back of Christ was coming from the very hands of God Himself. This was the wrath of God that we, that you and I deserve, but being inflicted upon the back of God's beloved Son. Yes, that beating itself was cruelty and vileness on the part of the people. The Jewish priests, Pontius Pilate, the Roman soldiers, but the reality was, it was God the Father locked into a covenant commitment that He had made to mankind that He would remove from each of us who would receive Him the wretched sin nature that keeps us separated from Him. An agreement that He had made with Jesus and the Holy Spirit in eons past before the foundations of the earth was being fulfilled and carried out that day on the bleeding back of the Lord Jesus. It was the only way to remove every sin from the hearts of men. As I watched that awful, unrelenting beating, ripping the flesh off of the back of Jesus, I recall that I kept saying in my mind, how long will it have to continue? Lash after lash. How many more lashes will he have to endure? But folks, all the while, I really knew the answer. I knew that it would take one more, and then one more, and then one more, and then one more, because that is the way of sin, and that's what my sin demands in order to remove. Because for some reason, 
Every day, every moment of the day, my heart is desperately wicked and deceitful beyond my understanding. But I keep right on sinning. I know that I should not, but I do. And so it will take one more and then one more and then one more ripping, slashing, bloody stripe upon the back of the Lord Jesus. Folks, the truth is, it took all that Jesus did that day to separate me from my sin nature, to separate me and set me free from my bondage to sin. And that is so for you also. Now the question is, what will be my response to so great a suffering? Shall I keep on sinning, even though after I know the price Jesus had to pay for my freedom from sin? Shall I take the free gift of His awful suffering and treat it like filthy rags? Shall I tread underfoot the blood that Christ shed there for me? God forbid that I should do that. Folks, as much as you and I want to claim that we're unable to keep from sinning every day, God has declared to you and to me that that's just not so. That's just not so. You and I have been set free from the bonds of sin and death by these sufferings of the Lord Jesus. He gives us that assurance in Romans chapter 8. Listen to these words. Verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Those are some of the most precious words given to us in all of Scripture. You and I must not live the kind of life that would demand that one more stripe be laid upon the back of the Lord Jesus back there on that day. Because every sin that you and I commit today has to be paid for. When the Lord Jesus came to live within your and my heart, you and I were redeemed, fully redeemed, eternally redeemed. Our penalty was paid in full. We don't need to keep going right back out again and rebuilding more debt that would have demanded one more stripe upon the back of the Lord Jesus. Listen to these words from Romans 6, verse 11. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master. Precious words of truth. Again, what is my response to be? What is your response to be? It's to join with Christ in the fellowship of His suffering. Not continuing to build up more and more sin but instead filling up behind that which is still lacking in the sufferings of Christ to stop being a part of the problem and to start becoming a part of the solution. You and I need to say with our whole heart, I want to know Christ 
and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Folks watching Jesus, they're on that screen, taking one stripe after another, groaning in agony, suffering my sufferings, dying my death, has broken my heart many times over. And each time I remember those scenes, my heart is broken all over again. And I don't want to be the cause of even one more lash of that scourging whip to have been laid on the back of our dear Lord Jesus. I want to challenge each one of you to read and to reread these words of Isaiah 53 and also Psalm 22. And to let these words confront your heart personally, your spirit personally. And in response then, to turn from some of those ingrained habits and behaviors that you know would cause one more stripe to be laid upon the back of the Lord Jesus. Folks, all of this needs to be very personal to each one of us. This is not just church history. This is reality. The sin that you and I will commit later on today, it has to be paid for. May we turn our hearts to Him and not cause one more stripe to have been laid upon His back. These words, and we'll close. Again from Isaiah. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised, and we did not esteem Him. Surely He has borne our griefs, my griefs, carried our sorrows, my sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, my transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. Let me pray. 